for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I'm sitting down with Anna Harmon and Lisa Bubbers, co-founders of ear piercing and pierced earring company, Studs. They launched the brand in late 2019, allowing for little time to find their footing before COVID disrupted everything. I wanted to ask them how they made it through, which much of their business model being based on IRL services and what sales channels are now working for studs as it's clear they're taking a fresh approach to retail. Welcome to you, Anna. Thank you so much, Jill, for having us. Thanks for being here. And hi, Lisa. Welcome. Hi. So nice to see you. Of course. So where did you meet? How did you guys come together? Were you friends ahead of this whole this whole business? Sure. So this is Anna. Lisa and I have known each other for a really long time. We, my husband's um, best childhood friend is actually Lisa's best friend from college, which I know sounds very convoluted, but we've known each other for about a decade. Oh my goodness me. Well, tell me about this white space that you saw in the market, um, which wasn't that long ago, late 2019, but it feels like I'm sure 20 years ago, like everyone else. But um, yeah, I mean, I know of Claire's, that's where people go to the mall and get their ears pierced. And yeah, that's not cool for for somebody like me. <laughs> um, but yeah, what was happening? What was What's the space? How would you describe that, Lisa? Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, we saw the white space uh, to really reimagine the ear piercing experience for Gen Z and millennials and connect that to the earring shopping experience. Um, and that was sort of the hole in the market. And we love puns. So we use that one a lot. Um, and I will let Anna describe a little bit of how we got to the idea. So I went to get another piercing probably about three years ago now, and I went to a very premium jewelry and piercing place in New York, and they told me I was going to have to wait two hours, and I ended up going to get pierced at a tattoo parlor, and Lisa actually came with me. And I was, you know, very, I was a novice piercer at that time, piercee, and I actually was only getting my second hole. And while the piercing experience at the the tattoo parlor was great from a health and safety perspective. The environment was really not well suited to me and I really didn't like the jewelry. And then obviously I couldn't shop for earrings. It's not the business of tattoo parlors to sell earrings. And so at that time, Lisa and I really started investigating and trying to understand, well, if you were an 18 to 35-year-old, where would you typically go if you wanted to get a healthy and safe needle piercing and shop for earrings? And the answer really was nowhere. In most places, you would go to a tattoo parlor. And so we really felt like there was an opportunity to create something new and innovative that customers would really like. Tell me about this uh, needle piercing versus the gun. The gun is just not hygienic. It's not safe. What, what's the, the bad thing about the gun? <laughs> yeah, I think the, the bigger thing for us is less so what the bad thing is about the gun and more so what's possible with the needles. And needles allow for a lot of precision in your piercing. So cleaner cuts, easier healing time, and also let you do a lot more intricate piercings in the ear that guns just aren't capable of. Lisa, you mentioned puns. I mean, I'm seeing puns left and right <laughs> on your site, on your Instagram. It's such a fun, I guess, um, voice. Um, how would you describe it? You know, we think of studs as, um, you know, sort of the brand as irreverent and um, fun, but also really safe and healthy. So we try to marry, um, you know, and we invented the term earscaping to sort of describe this journey that you go on. Um, you know, Anna described getting a second hole. And, you know, I at the time probably 
was just getting my second hole and now I've got eight piercings. Um, and you know, the, the journey of getting those piercings and then them healing and changing out your earrings and creating a look that's uniquely you is an act of bold self-expression. So we wanted the tone of the brand to really be about expression and have it be really fun and bold and really speak to, to this thing that's pretty adventurous and pretty brave and exciting to do. Yes, I love earscaping. I, and I was going to ask what's what's happening. What's your current situation? What's what's happened on those ears, Anna? What? How many have you got? <laughs> oh wow, um, I have seven. Uh, seven? Yeah, I have seven now. Um, and I'm I'm looking forward to more. But obviously, I also you know studs is going to have a long life, and so I got to be judicious <laughs> in how frequently I do this. I swear, I'm such a disappointment. I've gotten my second hole, like, pierced and closed and pierced time and time again. <laughs> Someday I will keep it going. Um, <laughs> that's so cute. Um, so tell me, the the Nolita, the original location, I remember when you opened, and it was such a cool girl hangout where I would see the Kaya Gerber going and um, Carly Kloss going. And I don't, I, I think I saw it on their personal Instagrams. Um, but yeah, how were you getting those girls there and how instrumental were they in, in, in getting the word out? Yeah. I mean, we had an amazing launch. Um, I think the reason it was this, you know, cool, cool girl hangout, as you said, is that there was just such strong latent demand for this thing. People really wanted it, you know, um, Kaya Gerber and Carly Kloss and other celebrities like that have come through. They just really wanted to get their ears pierced at a place that was cool and had a really great assortment. Um, I don't know, you know, when you got your last time you got that second hole, but often the piercing jewelry isn't that great. You know, you kind of people sort of get pierced with that piercing jewelry and then wait for it to heal, sort of counting down the days until they can change out that jewelry at studs. We really pride ourselves on a very trendy um, and an affordable piercing jewelry assortment as well as fashion jewelry. And so I think honestly, there was just a strong desire for this thing to exist. So, you know, Hannah Bronfman came to that opening, um, Brooke Bob, who was at Vogue at the time. And I think everyone was just excited and kind of really got it. And so it was sort of obvious, like, why didn't it, this exist before? Yes. Well, I have to ask, you're up to eight stores now, which we'll dig into um, where makes sense, why. Um, but you mentioned, um, I, I was thinking of associates and who's doing the piercing. And I know there's there's trouble enough right now in getting great people into stores in terms of employees. Um, yeah. Who, who are you finding? How are you attracting associates? Is this a challenge for you right now? People who can style an earscape pierce an ear and yeah, come to work, I guess. Um, we've been really lucky, I would say. I think one is we have really strong retention at Studs. I think the people that work for Studs are really excited about the brand and the company. Um, and then the second thing I, for piercing, we're running an apprenticeship program. And so we're training piercers in-house and we're really excited about that. And we think it's going to be core to Studs's ability to scale through time. And overall, look, I mean, I know a lot of businesses have experienced labor shortages, supply chain challenges, et cetera. Studs has sort of been lucky, and I really am grateful for that um, luck that we haven't really experienced that. Good for you. Well, eight stores. First of all, let's talk funding and, what, and what's uh, backing all of this. Did, did you guys go to bat um, ahead of the launch? Were you when, when did fundraising begin? Sure. So we had raised our seed round prior to launching the company. And first round and Lair Hippo had led that round. We then had raised a Series A 
in early 2020 that we actually closed probably literally two weeks before the pandemic really hit the U.S. And we raised that from Thrive Capital. And then over the summer, we raised an additional round of funding, our Series B, from Spark Capital. And so we feel really excited to have those partners on board with us as we go along this journey. I mean... Amazing. And this is where the money's going. You're you're gung-ho on this retail expansion. Tell me about the plan, I guess, uh, through through the end of the year. We're just kicking off 2022. Sure. So we'd love to get to um, over 20 stores this year and so have big ambitions. We are also really excited about growing our e-commerce business. We spent most of COVID heavily focused on the growth of our e-commerce business. It was frankly the only thing that we could do, right, because our stores were closed. Um, And so we are just really continuing to build studs as a brand and bring it to customers in more and more cities. Yes. What cities make sense? I know you've got uh, two two locations in New York, in Nolita, uh, Upper East Side, I believe, uh, two in Austin, you're in Miami. Uh, is it about the big cities? Is it about the neighborhoods? What's it about? I think it's interesting. Right now, I think it's sort of obvious where studs will go, which is uh, all of the relevant coastal markets that have large U.S. cities, as well as trendy secondary cities. I think the the opportunity for studs, though, is sort of unbounded, right? Because you have so many small college towns across the U.S. that have a really captive but large audience of a portion of our core demographic. And so I think this uh, we can have a really large store footprint through time. Yeah. Am I right? Well, first of all, is direct where it's at. Um, you're selling earrings as well. Are you linking with some retail partners? I know at one point there was a deep hop store, um, and I'm not sure if that's still alive and thriving. Um, we are not interested in particular retail partnerships at this point. We're really interested in selling through our own stores and via our direct-to-consumer channel and website. That's not to say we would never do it, but I think the priority for 2022 is to really develop our own sales channel. Um, as for Depop, we did it. We loved it. We might bring it back again. It was a really great way to um, sell archived SKUs, and so I think it's certainly a possibility. Tell me what you look for in a lease and what makes sense. Um, are you just going all in and long-term is better um, or, yes, flexible is where it's at? We really started with the stance of flexible is where it's at. And now that I think we've seen a lot of great proof points across many stores, we're open to longer-term deals. I think we're also really lucky that landlords are really excited about studs, um, which I think it took us getting through several stores to get them comfortable with, right? Because before studs existed, as Lisa and I were saying before, there wasn't really a comp, right? There wasn't a studs. And so it took a time for landlords to be like, oh, this thing is a use that we are actually excited about. It's not a tattoo parlor. Yeah. Tell me about, um, I guess, the evolution of the business model. So going in 2019, um, was really the focus going to be the services? Um, Were earrings always supposed to be a big piece of the pie and um, prior to e-commerce launching? Sure. So when we launched the business, we launched with our store in Nolita and a, I would call it very V1 version of our website. And we were really focused for the first four or five months on the stores. So we launched Nolita, then we quickly launched that second store in Hudson Yards. And then obviously COVID changed everything and the pandemic happened. And so once the pandemic happened, we spent most of 2020 really focused on the e-commerce business. And then 2021 was really about refocusing again on the retail business. And we opened six new stores during 2021. 
And then 2022, to be honest, is a focus on both. We want to really continue to invest in and grow the retail footprint as well as grow the e-commerce business. We like them to be highly complementary to one another. We think that the business will be more successful through time if both are key channels for us. Yeah. And then going back to um, this idea of the hole in the market and what hole we're filling, prior to studs, um, the act of getting the hole in your ear and getting pierced was really separated from the earring shopping experience. So our target demo would go to St. Mark's, go to tattoo parlor, get their ears pierced. They'd have no connection to that tattoo parlor afterwards. Like there was no CX or sort of digital communication um, or relationship. Then if their hole healed well, they would go buy earrings somewhere else, let's say at Urban Outfitters. And they were not connected as an experience. And it really didn't make sense to us why that would be, you know. And I think we've sort of positioned ourselves as the ear authority and the earscaping authority. And we always wanted to connect earring shopping and ear piercing and earscaping as using your ear as a canvas for self-expression and like to change your earscape just like you change your outfit. And I think our assortment, both for piercing and fashion, allows you to actually sort of mix and match. We also sell in singles, which is, I think, a differentiation for studs. And so we actually see people earscaping in their cart by buying a pair and then buying a single. And we know that they're buying to change out their second hole. Right on. What do you know about customer loyalty? She's coming back for care. She's coming back to buy more. Uh, Yeah. How often? Yeah. So we have very, very loyal customers. We're really excited about that. I think we're finding the the most interesting fact that we're finding is that the piercing customer, which is in some ways not a surprise, is the most loyal customer, spends the most through time, repeats the most frequently, et cetera. And so I think what we feel really excited about is as we roll out more and more stores, it just means that more and more customers can get pierced and then repeat. And they can repeat online or they can repeat in the store they got pierced in originally. And I think our customer is really obsessed with the piercing experience. They love their piercer. They love the way the stores are designed. They love the swag. They love the our um, retail team's energy. And they love the customer service our CX team provides. And so I think that's a really sticky first experience to then go purchase online and come back for more piercings. Our ears where it's at, are, is expansion include body piercing? <laughs> I would never say never, but I think we're really focused right now on ears. And for both Lisa and I, we really care a lot about making this experience great and bringing this experience to many more people before exploring lots of new business lines. Yeah. Tell me about this idea of self-expression. I love it. I know that, um, I think that I read that that was really something, a selling point for investors, that that concept. Uh, yeah. Tell me about that. I think, um, Studs just stands for more than ear piercing. Um, I think the Anna and I always say you don't want to get a piercing to have a hole in your head, right? Like you're getting a piercing to say something about who you are. Um, you know, a lot of people get ear piercings when something's happening to them, when they're going through a breakup, when they're having a birthday, to celebrate a bachelorette, to come to go with their best friend while they're on vacation, to go with their mom. Um, we've had, we have the most amazing emotional stories from people on why they're getting their ears pierced. And so that, that w- way to sort of tell a story or self-express, I think piercing just really is different than just buying earrings. Um, and so I think that's why it's really a self-expression brand. And then I think the other reason it's a self-expression brand is Anna and I really have backgrounds in services business and studs is a services business. I think that's a real differentiation for us as founders and as a business. And uh, to be a, to be a self-expression brand, it's really about providing a very specific service from pre-piercing through piercing to aftercare 
to e-commerce. For sure. It's interesting. I would think that um, as people are in store, I would think more for you guys than anyone, maybe anyone else, that um, your user-generated content um, is happening in store as opposed to like somebody showing off an outfit of the day at home. Uh, What are you finding there? Both. Really both. I love it. Um, So the stores are really designed for UGC. They're highly Instagrammable. The piercing itself as an act is very Instagrammable. You really want to like tell the world and your friends what you just did. So we have a lot of UGC in store, but for at home, you're escaping. Our packaging is very Instagrammable. We have really cute, like neon studs pouches. We have um, a scratch off. So in every e-com order, you can scratch off to win. And one of the prizes is a $500 shopping spree. And so, and then other prizes are like a tote or a discount code. And so we have moments and stickers. And so we have, and then I think also showing um, your earscape as part of your outfit at home is really popular. So I'd say we really see UGC across the board. And, and I think that kind of goes to both ends of earscaping, both piercing and the kind of um, fashion assortment. Yeah, let's talk appealing to Gen Z. I, I just think immediately Je- Gen Z with your yellow, we had a story about the Gen Z aesthetic, <laughs> yeah. they very much like the yellow. Um, but yeah, well, first of all, is that 50% compared to millennials of your shopper base? Yeah, we're really split, uh, Gen Z and millennials, which is interesting. Okay, great. Is TikTok more of a focus for you as you're trying to appeal to a younger younger crowd? We've had a lot of luck with TikTok. We started it just in April, and you know we're at 13k followers now, and I think we're just getting the hang of it um, and sort of figuring out what those growth lovers are. I don't think TikTok's just for Gen Z. I I'm seeing a lot of millennials on TikTok. I think TikTok is sort of misnomered as a Gen Z platform. It's it's not. I think it's just people that want to use that kind of content for humor, for education, um, or for experience. And I think it's just a, I think it's much more wide ranging than G- Gen Z on that channel, but it's becoming a, um, I think piercing on TikTok is, is really going to be a big uh, driver of that channel. Yeah. I'm like, I'm on TikTok and I am not Gen Z. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Are people, what are you finding about um, in store? Is it still kind of a, a slow ramp up in terms of traffic? Um, does it depend on the location? Yeah, we're very lucky. I would say it has not been a slow ramp back. I think the biggest change for us, which we were, you know, genuinely, Lisa and I were both sort of worried about this during the peak of COVID in 2020. Obviously, when we were going to reopen our stores, there was some non-zero chance that people were like, you know, getting my ears pierced during a global pandemic is a deeply optional thing that I don't need to do right now. Like I do need to go to the dentist. I don't need to go get my ear pierced. But in fact, the people, they want to get their ears pierced. So from piercing, it has not been a slow ramp at all. And we've been very lucky in that regard. I do think obviously we've ramped more and more from an earring sales perspective, just as foot traffic has rebounded significantly. And I think the varying cities that we are in have been differently affected by COVID in that regard. And so I think overall, our stores continue to perform really well. And we feel very lucky for that, like I said, because there was this chance that COVID was super disruptive to the business overall. Tell me about your website um, in terms of, I would think even like a virtual try-on on your ears would make great sense. Uh, what bells and whistles are there? Um, and yeah, what's working to clinch that sale once they get there? Yeah, you know, I think the biggest thing that we've seen working over the past uh, few months is that we introduced what we call earscape sets. And earscape sets are bundles that we pre-curate with select products in them that we sell for a discount. And that makes it easy for people to A, gift for themselves, gift for others, but also to... um, 
they are able to understand Studs' stylistic point of view. And so I think we made that really easy and exciting for them. And so we saw really significant sales of those during the holidays. And we feel really excited about that. Uh, I wish I would have thought of Studs for holiday. I mean, what a great gift for... Anyway, was, was holiday really big for you guys? It was. I mean, look, the business is growing, obviously, overall. And so it was the biggest holiday ever. But before that, the <laughs> holiday before that was the biggest holiday ever. I hope we get to say that every year. Um, <laughs> But I think we were really impressed. We outperformed our own forecasts. And so we really felt good about where we were going into 2022. Yes. What are you finding that's working to to acquire new customers? Um, is it that that superstar celeb? Is it a certain channel, certain hashtag, certain uh, sponsored post? I think one thing that we're doing well that's working to acquire customers is our own content. So, you know, we've gotten to 196,000 Instagram followers in this two and a half years, and we really invest in content. Uh, we shoot ears uh, in our photo studio. We make what we call ear education. Um, and so it's a lot of content on how to style or, or, you know, one stud three ways. We also um, do a lot of piercing education and piercing content we're launching an ear education hub, which is our resources and guide to um, all of our information around piercing and aftercare and styling and trend. And so I think um, we our investment in content is really paying off from an acquisition perspective. Uh, I think people are really excited. And then the other way we've been driving a lot of our e-commerce growth is sort of through e-com drops. And they also drop at the store, but really driving e-com growth. So we did a big Studs Loves New York campaign uh, last year where we had New York-inspired jewelry um, in collaboration with a local designer, Garbage New York, and we brought our Studs on Wheels mobile truck out. And that kind of drop campaign with a really novel assortment was like a big driver for us. We did something similar for Vote. We're going to have a bunch of big campaigns launching this year that have jewelry that's really differentiated. I think something about studs, because we do have that fun, bold brand, we can do a little cowboy boot or a, um, you know, like fuck off stud. And that works for our brand. Um, and our customer really likes that from us. And so there's a lot of really new fun jewelry that's going to drop this year. How fun. I mean, tell me about your team. How many employees are in-house? Is it more designers? Is it um, a lot of content folks, social folks? Who are they? Yeah, so we have about 100 employees across the entire studs team now. That includes corporate and our retail teams and our CX team, and we operate our own warehouse. So we feel really excited about that. I think we really have a range of different types of people working for the brand. I think one thing that I think, you know, has been a real emphasis for us is finding people who are really excited about the experience that we're trying to bring and the novelty, obviously, of that experience. And so we're really looking for people who are themselves innovative and excited about the innovation that we are making. Lisa and I are also, I would say, constantly in search of improvements. We always want to make the thing that we built already better um, and constantly listen to the customer in order to make um, their experience as positive as possible. And so we're really looking for team members that are really oriented in that way as well. Yes. Oh, tell me about that community and, and the necessity of it. Um, it. Are you guys, yeah, fueling that? Well, first, personally, are, are you the faces of the brand? Do you need to be out there? Is this more of a, <laughs> no, 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 no. It's more of a social social leader type thing. No, we always joke that we're the fairy godmothers of studs. Um, <laughs> we we're also so we're old. behind the scenes. And we're yeah, very old we're... relative to the core <laughs> customer. Um, but I think... 
neither Lisa nor I were ever really doing this for celebrity, right? Like for personal celebrity. And so I think while we are excited to do things like this and talk to you about the business and talk to other entrepreneurs or reporters, et cetera, I think our goal is to make studs the business, right? Like if studs is successful, we will be successful and the team will be successful, but our goal is not, you know, to end up on the cover of ink. <laughs> and, and to answer your question, I think what makes studs so amazing um, is the customers and the community and our team. And so in terms of the face of the company, you know, as Anna said, we're operators. That's what we bring to studs. And that's our background in startups makes us great operators. I think for the face of studs, there's many, many, many faces of studs. And it's really the people that are doing the earscaping, the people that are making the UGC when they get pierced. We have resident earscapers um, that our social media manager finds. We're going to be trying our first Instagram live with one of our resident earscapers. And we, we really put our community first and highlight our community and the way everyone is uniquely kind of making studs their own. And so that's kind of the face of the brand is the myriad people that are using studs. Yeah. Have you guys dabbled in any collaborations? I'm trying to think of somebody with a bunch of piercings who would be really fun. <laughs> but anyway, go ahead. We we did a really great collab at the end of uh, last year. We partnered with uh, Dumois. Uh, are, you a, are you a celebrity oh, gossip uh, fan? Hell yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Who's not? <laughs> so we partnered with Dumas and Real Housewife of New York, Leah McSweeney, um, who is, you know, embodies the studs ethos. Um, and so we did a big holiday event um, that Leah McSweeney hosted. We co-hosted with Dumas. We did a big, like, correspondent giveaway to be Dumas' eyes and ears at the party. We invited um, you know, the who's who of TikTok, Instagram, reality TV, um, and made this really experiential kind of holiday studs wonderland. And so that was our last, I think, really big fun club. So much fun. Tell me about, I feel like you're doing some really outside of the box things, um, both in terms of retail and like activations such as these uh, drops popping around the cities. Um, But yeah, how does this all come together? I mean, is it about just brainstorming, maybe thinking outside uh, the fashion world and keeping your eyes and ears open. But anyway, where's this all coming from? Well, I think one thing that's really different about studs is because we are, like Lisa and I have been saying, because the concept didn't exist before, there's not really a playbook that we're following to replicate. And so I think that's where it forces outside of the box thinking. The second thing is we came to be during an obvious landscape shift for digital advertising as Facebook and Instagram and Google have come to evolve and iOS 14 has been released. And so we've forced, been forced, as many brands have, to innovate about ways to acquire customers both in the real world and in the digital world. And so I think we are, both the business has necessitated it as well as the timing has necessitated it. And I think Anna and I are have very, very different skill sets and talents, but have very similar values and outlooks. And I think the innovation and the out-of-the-box thinking and the creation is what gets us out of bed in the morning. You know, being able to create a crazy collection and an amazing collab and do studs on wheels and drop something big or create an entirely new customer experience or digital experience or offering or raise the bar for our category or create the future of omni-channel business in Anna's case. I think it's those, those are what kind of get us excited and motivate us. For sure. Have you guys experienced some of the su- supply chain obstacles? Um, what, what's been your experience there? And is it just about kind of delayed deliveries and all of that? But um, also, yeah, throughout the supply chain. I think we've been lucky. We've experienced a bit of it. It hasn't been disruptive overall to the business, more in the delay 
vein, as you mentioned, I think what's been exciting and good for us in a certain way is that we've been really changing the assortment frequently because we are, to Lisa's point, a self-expression brand. And so for us, when we're changing the assortment frequently, it allows us, like no customer is sort of like, where's the new stuff? It's up to us when we launch the new stuff, right? And so that's been that's allowed us to handle delays well because they're not sitting around being like, Studs was meant to come out with something. Like they don't know that we're coming out with something new either. <laughs> Totally. Well, I feel like, um, like you said, digital advertising is changing. I, I'm hearing time and time again that the stores, maybe they're even more affordable opening stores as, as far as a marketing tool. Tell me about your stores as a marketing tool. Is Can we expect more fundraising, more stores like... I just feel like more stores is where it's at for you. More guys. stores is where it's at. Um, so I think I think they serve both. They're the key business driver for studs. So they are very economically viable. They are not just a marketing activation. The business wouldn't function without the stores. We definitely think we can build many hundreds of them across the U.S. So have extreme ambitions as relates to that. And then I think in terms of um, how they will work as a marketing tool for studs. The biggest thing that we see is that where we put stud stores, we get bumps in our e-commerce revenue, which is not unique to us. All physical businesses frequently see that, but we are definitely experiencing that, and which is proving to us that as the store business grows, the e-commerce business will grow in tandem. Yeah. Tell me about your goals for this year, other than opening stores. We really, like we said, we really want to continue to grow the e-commerce business. We're going to expand the team pretty significantly. And then we really want to, you know, tell the world more about studs. So we really are focused on brand awareness. Are you guys working from home? We happen to be today because we're recording this, but we actually work from the office on most days. Oh, nice. Okay, great. Has it been, a, again, a flexible work hybrid office like like most people are? What's the setup there? We went back to work pretty early in the pandemic because mostly really out of necessity. We were really too new of a business to be totally remote. And we were onboarding, obviously, so many new employees because the business was growing so much. Um, right now, our team works from the office part of the week and can work from home part of the week. And we found that that's a really good setup for us. We work so much with physical product, obviously, the jewelry. And we really need to be in person to talk about that, brainstorm around it, make changes, et cetera. Yes. And one more logistics question. Boring, but it's sexy to me. Um, owning your own your own warehouse. You mentioned that earlier. Has that, um, yeah, tell me about the importance of that and how that's worked to your advantage. Yeah. So as it turns out, many jewelry companies fulfill themselves, which we learned as part of our diligence process when we were starting the business. And so we are actually not unusual in that regard. The thing that's been great about it is, one, it allows us to totally control the customer experience. And our warehouse team is truly incredible. Packages get shipped out lightning fast and get to customers at record speed. So we feel really good about the customer experience we can provide. We also can do fun things like change out packaging, send out surprise and delights, et cetera. Just things that are harder when you're not operating it yourself. Um, the thing I think that also is really relevant about it is it's actually not hard to house jewelry, right? Like it's very small. And so it made a lot of sense for us to do it ourselves because it wasn't like we were trying to do suitcases. It didn't take up a lot of room. So in the beginning, the warehouse was in our office. They now have their own separate space, but for a long time it was in the office. <laughs> right on. Well, here last questions for people who are not a nerd. What what's the trend in in ear piercing right now? 
I think the trend is sort of a uh, a Western-themed motif right now. It's very strong. You're going to see a Dolly Parton-inspired collection coming from us for Valentine's Day. Um, people cannot get enough of a little cowboy boot, a little cowboy hat, um, I think a little fringe right now. So I think uh, that those motifs, Western motifs, is where it's at right now. Dolly! And is there an earfluencer out there in the world that I'm not aware of? <laughs> there are so many earfluencers. I think the people the, the people that are influencing earscaping the most right now, Zoe Kravitz, mm-hmm. like everyone looks at her earscape and loves. Um, I think Nicole Richie has a great earscape, Dua Lipa, Beyonce. Um, so we there's a lot of earscapers out there. I think um, getting ear piercings is like now extremely mainstream and very trendy. And we're just seeing a lot of like people going very advanced on their earscaping. Oh my gosh. Well, amazing. I feel like I've had ear piercing in my life. When I was a kid, my mom worked at a place called the Earring Tree at Jamestown Mall. So anyway, my how far we've come (laughs) in this world. It's much more cool, cool space. But anyway, congrats on all your success. And thanks you guys for being here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us. That's all for this episode. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. If you liked this episode, be sure to share it with someone else you think would. Thanks for listening to the Glossy Podcast.